You say it's enough. In fact, it's too much. By Meratricious Lee. Part 4 of the Seven Minutes Wherever series. Read by Literarian. Summary. Grow better when it feels threatened? Crowley tilted his head. Yeah, okay. If you're gonna stand there ogling it all day, said Jen in her cheerful tone, making Crowley jump, perhaps you should go ahead and buy it. At this time in 1984, the gentleman had been a regular in her garden supply shop for a few years, coming in on average every two to three weeks to buy exactly one new locally sourced potted plant, generally of a non-flowering variety. Jan quietly liked him, even though his hair was awful in the style of the times. The plant of his current fascination was a small orchid with a few small dark green leaves and one slender spike crowned with five closed buds and seven white flowers with golden centers. Their petals seemed to be what had captivated him. He'd stood there staring down into them for just under 17 minutes. Jeanne had watched the clock on the wall behind him. Oh! He exhaled sharply. Well, I... Uh, I've no idea how to care for such a thing. What do they generally want, do you think? Well, this type can be a bit particular... And she went on to describe how it was a tropical species, liked a relatively warm room and indirect light, and to be misted regularly so as to not have its roots too wet. Mr. Crowley nodded thoughtfully. And they can do with a bit of abuse. Tends to make them bloom more, actually. Excuse me? For a second she saw his eyes over the tops of his large plastic sunglasses, they were a gorgeous hazel gold. Well, you see, I'd say that orchids are clever little things. Putting out all them blooms takes a lot of energy they could be using to grow roots or leaves. So they only do it when they feel a bit threatened, as if their situation is somehow precarious and they should be getting on about making babies. Jeanne grinned. She was an earthy soul. People do that too, of course. Grow better when it feels threatened? Crowley tilted his head. Yeah, okay. Five minutes later, the demon walked out of the store, holding the porcelain outer pot gingerly in both hands, as if it were a bomb. Ah. Impulse buys, I have no idea why I let her talk me into this. And is this going to be an issue? I mean, I get local plants, so I'm not doing any harm when I kick them out of the atrium. But this is a tropical thing, so I can't let it out here in Great Britain. If I have to get rid of it, I will need to take it back to South America. Wait, is it from South America? Or somebody I forgot to ask her? No. We're not going to have any problems at all. Only the quick glances of the strangers on the street at the tall slender man with the additional four inches of teased or sprayed crimson hair height, gripping an orchid in shaking fists, 
let Crowley know he'd spoken that last bit out loud. No, we're not going to have any problems at all, he decided firmly and silently. This plant will be a model citizen in my atrium. May even teach the other lazy bastards in there a thing or two. All right, you blighters, he said, removing this week's empty pot from its place of prominence and sliding the orchid onto the pedestal instead. Here's our new member. Everyone say hello. I'm sure you all noticed that they're quite a beauty. Why? Because they work hard at it. The familiar shivering susurration of a dozen local ferns and small long-leaf shrubs filled the room. But they could do better. He continued, eyes two burning orbs of sulphur behind the lenses as he bent over the orchid. Look right there. You're dropping that bottom leaf. Don't think I don't see it. And you've only got seven blooms. Not the thirteen you could be having if you just tried harder. The orchid began to quiver ever so slightly. He misted it viciously. Crowley ranted a few moments more until all the stress of having bought an unknown thing without preparation had been purged, then went out to dinner and a musical with Aziraphale. When he came back late that evening, a glance into the atrium revealed that an eighth bloom had begun to open on the orchid. Right then. The week went on. The orchid dropped the lowest and smallest leaf, leaving a sad brown shrunken husk in the pot. As if to apologize, the next two buds had begun to bloom. He screamed at it, stalking around its pedestal, and it trembled in terror. Or so he thought to begin with. No more leaves dropped. All the buds on the spike opened. And the next week, when he misted it, he felt the distinct sensation of... Well, it... it was smug. Crowley ranted at it for an impressive length of time. How dare you? You think you're all that, huh? You're nothing. You're compost. The pot's worth more than you are. Etc., etc., Still, the orchid trembled and radiated eagerness. The next day, the largest flower on the orchid wilted and dropped to the cement floor. The demon went incandescent with rage. You do this just to irritate me. You're a loss. You're a sham. Your parents weren't worth propagating. You're a waste of bark chips. I bought you at a garage forecourt, etc., etc. And just as he was working up a magnificent head of steam, really getting into his role, well... The quivering of the orchid drew his eye to a slender, upturned growth amid its roots. A second flower spike. 
After a long, grey moment, Crowley was aware of the fact that he was laying on his back on the kitchen tile. At some point he had gotten ice out of the freezer, filled a pack with it and dropped it over his heated forehead and eyes. Every time he remembered that cheeky little spike, greenish-brown and throbbing toward the light, he got wibbly in his midsection. Not quite nausea, not quite embarrassment. This is for me, he thought in the overly warm soup of his brain. They're not supposed to enjoy it. Nonetheless, despite this minor setback, Crowley was undaunted. This wasn't the first time he'd got an attitude from a plant before. Let us never forget the Pyrrhic victory of that ficus, who'd dropped every single one of its leaves onto the floor the night after he'd first yelled at it. Or that one spider plant whose response to Crowley's helpful growing tips was to shove out leafy vines utterly mindlessly. It had achieved a length of about 10 meters before the demon had given up, rolled it into a ball and handed it over to a local botanical group. This was just another form of plant warfare. Just like ivy or kutsu. It was mostly a mind game. They wanted to get in your head. If they could psych you out, they'd won half the battle. So Crowley clenched his jaw and seethed in his righteous anger, no matter how that spike grew, no matter how it budded an astounding fifteen times, no matter how the orchid itself seemed to sigh with maidenly delight every time he roared at it. The bloody degenerate, thought Crowley on the chilly kitchen tiles once again, blindfolded as usual with the ice pack. Even now it sat massive and resplendent, smugly regal on its pedestal in the middle of the atrium. But this was not his first rodeo, and the demon was determined to endure and to eventually triumph. And as the orchid's first spike dropped its blooms one by one, while it continued to quiver helplessly in the face of Crowley's ire, he began to believe he'd won. Until the day he came into the atrium and found one tiny green bud sprouting at the tip of the empty spike, and the whole room smelt of arousal and satisfaction. Crowley about-faced and practically fled to the only sanctuary that could possibly help him now. It's not like he could have asked Jen about this, obviously. Jen would have said all sorts of suggestive things he'd never have been able to look her in the face again. Yes, of course I have books on orchids. They're over here in the green thumb section. But what on earth has you so... Later, angel, later. He mollified Aziraphale, easing past him and dropping into a leather chair to put his pointed nose down into the first tome he could find. It didn't take long to find an explanation for the phenomenon, because it was quite a common perversion. The little bud was called a keiki. It was what happened when an orchid reproduces, asexually. His orchid was making a baby. 
the book shook in his hands. This was the planned version of If you're not going to get me off, I'll do it myself. Crowley dropped the hardcover on the table as if it had burned him. I'll see you tomorrow, Aziraphale. Yes, but I thought we might... I've got an errand to run, even as he sprinted toward the door. Since you're already here, I've got to go to the shops, he panted, pushing past a customer headed in. He couldn't remember the ride home, but that was fine. He was sure the Bentley would have spoken if he'd accidentally disincorporated someone. You! he snarled. The rest of the atrium occupants flinched backward. The orchid sat in splendid isolation and radiated its satisfaction. Without another word, he picked it up by its pot and carried it at arm's length back outside. He put it in the passenger seat of the Bentley and buckled it in. I can't believe this, he muttered morosely. I can't even bear to look at you. One short ride later, he was climbing out in the parking lot of Jan's shop. The bell over the door jingled. Why, Mr. Crowley, so good to... I need to return this, he said, thumping the pot down onto the counter and scrubbing his hands on the thighs of his black jeans. Well, I can only do exchanges in the first... I don't care about the money or exchanges. He drew in a deep breath. I just need you to take it back. I can't have it round anymore. It's no good. John turned the pot in wandering, dirt-stained hands. The orchid had certainly grown since she'd sold it, even put out another spike. And was this... Oh, you've got a little baby coming in. Why, look how happy the orchid is. You've treated it quite well. You must be such a good plant, Daddy. He braced his palms on the counter and bent forward, queasy, his hairspray failing somewhat from all the stress. Please, just don't ever say those words like that. Ever again. Oh, so you're sure then? Yes, I'm sure, just... He looked at the orchid. The orchid looked back at him, all gold and white and green and yearning. Crowley shut his eyes. Just treat it very kindly, will you? And he left the shop and did not return for several months. Decades later, he learned what BDSM was, and that some individuals quite fancied a bit of pain and abuse every now and again, and he remembered the orchid, and experienced a number of emotions he didn't yet have names for. On their wedding night, finally alone in their honeymoon suite, the masochist begged, Whip me! Beat me. And the sadist answered, No, my love, I will not. The end.